0: This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 50. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am Brian Hood. I'm here with my co-host, Chris Graham. Hey, Chris, buddy. Hey. How you
1: doing today? I'm great. We're on Facebook Live right now, and this is exciting and requires me to multitask. You're not allowed to actually pay attention to Facebook Live.
0: Yeah. People that are watching live know this. People that are listening later don't know this. I just said you have to ignore your phone for the rest of this podcast recording so that you're not pulled out of the episode like, ooh, a squirrel, ooh, a comment. ooh, a compliment. Because that's how our brains work. So we both are ADD. But yeah, this episode, we're recording it live. If you missed it, it was on our Facebook community, which you can get to by just searching for the Six Figure Home Studio community in Facebook. We like to try to do stuff like this sometimes. We may not make this a thing we do every time. As a matter of fact, I know we're probably not gonna do this for every episode, but for episode 50, it's a special episode. It's a good round number. We're definitely going to do that for this episode. So this is what we're doing. So today's topic... Is something that we formulated with the community. We had a few ideas. We were pitching to each other. We were working within the comments. We were getting some ideas and feedback, and we came up with the idea of today's episode. And the topic of today's episode is what to do when an artist wants to record themselves instead of working with you, or mix themselves or master themselves, whatever service you offer. If they want to do it themselves instead of working with you, what do you do? I know this is a problem that a lot of people have struggled with. This is a problem that many of my students have expressed frustration and angst and anger with because so many more people are starting to record their own work now. The barrier to entry to recording and mixing and mastering is so low now compared to what it was 10, 15, 20 years ago that a lot of people are doing it themselves. And so what do you do in the scenario where you are talking to an artist? They're a great fit for you. You know, they would be good at your studio, that, that it would be a good quality product, but... They want to do it themselves and they don't want to work with
1: you. What do you do? So I think we got a lot of good stuff to talk about today, Chris. Yeah, for sure. First and foremost, just to point out, when it's you and someone else are the only two recording studios in town or the only two that do a certain style of music and someone's trying to decide, should I record with you or should I record with the other studio? That's a specific type of challenge to figure out how to differentiate yourself from other studios.
0: Which we talked about in episode number 49 of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, which you can check last week's episode for that.
1: So it's a little different when you have a client and they're saying, well, you know, you are fill in the blank, let's say $1,500 to do this project with. I could record with you or I could buy my own gear and record myself. This is very different. And initially our instinct as engineers is to be like, don't do that. That's a terrible idea. And I think it's healthy to initially resist that. Hear me out, guys. Here's why. People having the freedom to create their own art on their own terms is freaking awesome That's incredible and it's happening man and to pull a phrase from graham cochran's book There is a recording revolution Happening right now and that recording revolution has a lot to do with self-recording That's cool. So to immediately respond to an artist and say oh man, you're so dumb. Oh, it's gonna be terrible That's not a healthy way to respond
0: Or to just go into a Facebook community and say, God, I'm so sick of all these bands recording themselves and getting this amateur recording. Just bitching about it is not helping the situation either. That's not a healthy response to this situation. And in my opinion, and this is a strong opinion that I hold, you either have to adapt or die. That's one thing. But second of all, the stuff we're going to talk about today, I think, is the healthy way to approach this
1: scenario when this happens to you inevitably. Yeah. And the big thing here is we're not talking about doom and gloom, dark clouds in the sky, the industry's coming to an end. That's not the case. It's just changing. It's done it before. It'll do it again. And the big idea here, just sort of like opening the kimono a little bit here. I hate that phrase. Nasty. It's like, I'm flashing you. Why is that a phrase that people use? I don't know. To kind of give you guys some background on myself, as a mastering engineer, I work with clients of all stripes. It might be a major label. It might be a college kid in the dorm room. The single fastest growing part of our industry is home studios. Yes. Hands down. It's the DIY thing that's growing faster than anything else. Bar none, I'll fight anyone who disagrees. I don't disagree. I don't want to fight you, Chris. As a mastering engineer, this has worked really in my favor because what happens is a lot of clients, I'd say maybe more than half of the clients that I work with are people who dug themselves a hole. They put all this money, all this time into recording a record and it doesn't sound good. They're struggling to master themselves. So they end up coming to me to save the day. And not a bad thing. That's been a huge part of my success is mastering is just a service that's difficult to provide to yourself when you've also written, performed, recorded, mixed, edited, et cetera. That's a tough Extra cherry on top of work to do so it's not necessarily a bad thing This is a boulder rolling down a hill this home recording diy thing. It ain't going anywhere other than Forward. It's not going to slow down. It's not going to stop. Yeah and finding ways to roll with that to provide wins For the people that we want to work with you're just not going to be able to be successful In many niches without being able to provide value to these people There are some people obviously that don't ever engage with home recordists and have that luxury But for most of us, that's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not the reality of the industry today So let's talk about that. We don't have this on our outline But I think the first thing to talk about is the book the go-giver we've talked about on the podcast before It's incredible both brian and I when we initially did the interview with graham Graham had an article written about him years ago that revealed how ridiculously successful he is
0: is the article from the Business Insider. It'll be in the show notes for this episode. If you go to the com slash 50, that's slash five zero, there will be a link to that
1: article in the show notes. Yes, Bonkers article and Graham in that article mentioned what a big impact this book, The Go-Giver had had on him. Brian and I didn't know each other at the time, but we both immediately bought it and read it. A really short book, really, really, really easy read. If you've never read a business book before, you will not struggle. If you have any amount of literacy to read this book, it's great.
0: But it completely changes your mindset behind how you approach interactions in your business It is for someone like myself that grew up in a small town in alabama This is not a mindset that I had about business If you grew up and this is a complete off the topic side note thing Side tangent people portray business as evil Mm -hmm. more than anything else in movies and tv and that's how I kind of grew up Although I was in a more entrepreneurial family there was still the thing of like to have a successful business. You're taking something from someone. Yeah And that book the go-giver completely switches your mind on what it takes to be a truly successful business for the long term And hint hint it's not taking it's giving
1: Yeah, so freaking incredible in order to give to someone in order to provide value And here's the thing like with somebody that's doing home recording this happened just the other day on my facebook page Somebody asked a question about a blog post. I had about monitors I said, oh, you know i'm having a hard time hearing My monitors, I've got them pushed up against the wall. Oh, well, you probably should pull them off the wall because that's going to create all kinds of weird bass response issues. So, just a simple piece of information like that took me one second to write the response. It's going to change this guy's life. And he's probably going to hire me for mastering, I hope, anyways. So, I think the first thing you have to do when you're trying to add value and build goodwill is to consider is this the best thing for them? Yeah. And if it is, you should be supportive. So case in point, let me tell you a story. A long time ago, my family went to a restaurant, really, really nice restaurant. And we had a really excellent waiter. Was it O'Charlie's? It was O'Charlie's, yes. (laughs) Actually, it was Applebee's, I'm just kidding. But we went to this restaurant and I think it was my grandpa, might've been my mom, said, yeah, you know, I'll take the tilapia or it was some kind of fish. And he said, I'll never forget this. He said, "Mm, I'm going to be honest with you, the fish is not the best. I wouldn't get that if I were you. It was like, whoa, whoa, dude. You work here, man. But then it occurred to me, I could kind of see this twinkle in his eye, because the fish wasn't good. But he had candor and he told the truth. And we ordered something different. And he got a really big tip that he was so honest and so forthcoming to be like, eh, that's not the that's not gonna that's not the best. So there's an opportunity for you guys here to be able to say, well. I'll tell you what recording your guitars on your own totally doable not Insanely challenging recording your vocals is a lot harder So if you have trouble recording your vocals, give me a call we can hook up you can come over I'll record all the vocals for you if you decide to go that route
0: Yeah, I think if you can genuinely come up with the answer of is this the best for them or not period It's going to be a lot easier to know what to do next because if it's the best thing for them to record themselves aka they're already great at what they do or what they're trying to do is easy to do and anyone can do it And you're just taking as much money as it would for them to just buy the gear and do it themselves If it's a situation where it's in their best interest to record themselves Then you're going to handle this a completely different way than if it's not in their best interests If it's not in their best interest to record themselves, it's up to you to be the one to Educate them on why it's not the best move for them. So that's the first point of this.
1: Absolutely Absolutely When you do that, you have to be emotionally okay with losing the gig. Absolutely. To treat someone with integrity, you have to be totally fine with it not working out. And when you have made peace with that in your own mind, you're going to get a lot more yeses.
0: This is just across the board, not just when someone wants to record themselves. Any gig that comes your way, there's a potential project. You have to be okay with losing that project. Otherwise, you become that Needy creepy guy who keeps stalking that one girl and freaking her out, man Yeah, and you're never gonna get that girl because it's creepy. It's creepy. Stop it
1: (laughs) No case in point there another story for me here. My wife is Incredible. She is a 10 out of 10. She was the most attractive girl at my college of fifty thousand people. She she is a jaw dropper (laughs) Everybody I knew had a crush on her when I asked her out I don't know how, but I had made peace with her saying no. I had already accepted it. And because of that, I came with my A game. My pitch was flipping awesome. And pitch. she said yes. I love that you phrase it like a pitch. This is your wife well, that it you was were trying pitch. to win over. I
0: and mean, I, I get it. It's just funny that I heard you use outline. sales tactics.
1: I like sat down and was like- Wait, well, you what had I an wa-. outline? I had an outline. I was like, here's uh, what I'd like to do. I'd like to take you in a date. Here's what that date would look like. Here's the way I, I plan to behave.
0: You're like I want to take you on a date. I want to get you well fed I want to then follow up and see if you'd like to go on another date And then sometime down the line I want to get on one knee and hand you a ring with a rock on it And then one day i'd like to have a baby with you or three or four.
1: Well the pitch was actually Like this is going to sound super intense. She was in campus crusade for christ. I was in young life These are two kind of christian groups And so there was sort of a lot of pressure to find like your spouse and stuff I don't know about you. I'm sure it's the same in Ohio, but Southern
0: Christian life, you're married by 23 or you're a failure. (laughs) Exactly. That's the way the culture is. Yeah. yeah.
1: So my pitch was, hey, I really like you. I don't know that we're going to get married. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm asking you for is to go on a date. We would go on a canoe trip in Logan, Ohio. I'll pack a picnic. I'll pick you up this Saturday. That's a good date. That's a good date. It was great. Yeah. So my pitch of, I'm just asking you to go on a canoe trip with me. Was a lot different than, you might be the one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Please go on a date with me. Uh I have a
0: few things to unpack from that story. First of all, you were willing to lose the gig. Yes. In other words, you were willing to lose the girl that honestly it comes through when you're approaching someone Because if you are deathly afraid of losing that gig or that paid project or that wife Potentially if you're deathly afraid of that before you've even gone you've lost you've lost before you even started And so that's a really good takeaway The second takeaway is something we talked about on facebook live before this that no one that's listening to this episode Unless you were there for the facebook live knows what you're talking about Well, we we're talking about the fear of failure One of the most terrifying things is to go up to a girl you don't know or you barely know and ask her out on a date And I think until the day I die that is up there with all the other fears is like to ask a girl out that you barely know Or don't know and I think most guys would probably agree with that And I don't know what it's like if you're a girl trying to ask a guy I have no idea if that's the same thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't but guys know what i'm talking about and One of the things that will keep you single for the longest of your life is to be afraid to ever fail Because if you chris were afraid to fail in that moment and you wouldn't have put yourself out there to Ask your wife out in the first place. You would not be married right now You would not be on this podcast right now You would not have your three or four beautiful kids. How many kids you got three two guys and a adorable little daughter And so we didn't get a full episode about that topic, but that's my little we fit in here still I still like that topic idea but So yeah, be willing to lose the gig and don't be afraid to fail. Those are really important things when it comes to overcoming this challenge of someone wanting to work with someone else or record themselves instead of working with you.
1: So we should have put this on the outline. This is a really important point to make. The reason you have to be okay with losing the gig, this is really tough when you're starting out of like, I need this gig, I'm so poor. Oh, I'm trying to make this work. If you are afraid of losing the gig, fear makes you irrational. It keeps you from being as smart as you are. And when you're not as smart as you are, you say really dumb things. At least I do. So it's when you face that fear and you look it in the eye that you start to be able to make sense to the potential customer. Because here's the thing, nobody wants to work with a guy that's wearing fear on his sleeve. You know, you walk in that room and they can smell that like you're uncomfortable and you feel awkward and you're terrified of rejection. It's very difficult to bring yourself to hire someone who hasn't dealt with that yet. So I think that's the biggest thing you have to face your fear of rejection and some of that is Maybe you should try to ask more than one client to work with you every three months Maybe you should ask a hundred clients to work with you Every three months
0: again, this is kind of what I like to look at is what's the root cause of this problem You may think that your problem is bands are wanting to record themselves or bands are wanting to Record with someone else instead of you. You may think that's your problem But the root problem is actually this you're not out there generating enough leads for your business. And so it's like the guy who is obsessing over that one girl and only that one girl and isn't dating around instead of like trying to find, I'm always going to use a dating analogy. You can sue me if you want, but it's just an easy analogy. But it's like the person who refuses to go out and look for different people this, there's plenty of fishes in the sea. If you aren't aware of that and you're not taking advantage of the fact that there is plenty of fishes in the sea, you're going to obsess over that one little tilapia that's not that good.
1: Yeah. So this is great stuff. I know it seems like we're off topic. We're not. This is really- Important. And at least when I see someone who's really freaking out about a specific client, it's because they don't have any leads whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, they want to record themselves. Oh, gosh, I thought I might have gotten a client who's the first client I would have gotten in three months. Hey, good for you for trying, but you'll freak out a little bit less if you get used to no.
0: I would go out on a limb and say that Chris has so many leads and deals coming in the door for his mastering studio, that he probably doesn't have a clue what 90% of his people do that don't work with him. Anyone that says no and doesn't work with him, he doesn't know what they go off and do because he's not having to ask because he's got plenty of work coming around. And that sounds kind of heartless. It's not real. But just all I'm trying to say is you got a lot of leads coming in the door and you do a great job with them all and you don't necessarily know what the ones that didn't record with you are. And that's kind of the point. If you know what every single person is doing that doesn't record with you, you don't have enough leads.
1: (laughs) Yeah, amen, amen. And so here's the component of that is that when you have enough leads and you don't need to push anyone to work with you, your projects go better because these are willing, excited, passionate customers. When you are really convincing and really salesmany and you're like, yeah, work with me, work with me. Oh, I'll do this and I'll do that. It gets really difficult to actually run your business because you got difficult clients in the door when what you should have done was got way more leads. And got the easy leads the people that are like, oh, yeah, absolutely this you're great Those people are easier to work with and what kills an audio business is when all you have is bad clients when all you have are dramatic Difficult picky. Well, not necessarily picky but people that are difficult to work with It makes it impossible to make a decent hourly wage because you spend all your time putting out fires and dealing with weird issues Yeah, so
0: if you're kind of wondering what we're talking about, we're using some sales terms
1: here leads and stuff
0: Go back to episode number 42 of the six figure home studio podcast where we have a two-part series on how to get more clients for your studio We're talking about what to do when clients are working with competitors or when clients are recording themselves instead of working with you But at the end of the day most of the cases of this it's because you don't have enough leads So go back and listen to that two-part episode, but let's just go into it Let's just say that You understand is this the best thing for them either recording themselves or recording with you? You understand that and you are willing to lose the gig So now the next step and what to do in the situation when a band is not recording with you when a band is recording themselves Or recording with your competitor. What do you do in that situation? Best thing to do in the situation, chris, I believe is if you can try to find out why they want to do that Why do they want to record themselves? Yeah Instead of record with you or why do they want to try to master their own songs or mix their own songs instead of having you mix or master?
1: Yeah This seems like it's so simple that it can't possibly be the most important thing It's without a doubt the most important thing Not just in audio but in any sort of business relationship when you're providing a service And they want to work with somebody else or they want to do it themselves or whatever it happens to be The answer is questions Let me say that again When you have this issue the answer is questions ask more questions ask more questions Easiest thing in the world is to say hey, that's awesome. You know record yourself. I'm excited. You're making music man Tell me about that. Tell me what you hope to record. How many songs is it going to be? When are you hoping to release? What records are you trying to sound like just tell me your story as an artist? And what you hope to do what you hope to make best case scenario. Let them talk get them to tell you their story People open up if you are interested in them people open up There's nothing a musician loves more than telling someone their story That is not an insult. That's true across the board for almost all humans People love to talk about themselves Musicians more than anybody else maybe on earth want to tell you their story That's a big reason they became a musician in the first place. They want to tell their story with music so when they start to tell you their story, you can start to pick out little nuggets of either assumptions they've made that are incorrect or opportunities to help them execute on their dream of recording this record. So I would say, let's tackle assumptions first here. If somebody says to you, yeah, I'm going to record my own record. A good question is, oh, cool. All right. Well, what are you going to record it with? What kind of gear do you have? That's a really good follow-up question. Well, I've got the blue snowball. <laughs> Okay, um, and what record do you want to sound like? Nickelback. Okay, so that question is great for you to say, mm, you're going to have a hard time with that mic for many reasons, but that mic is not going to help you on any level sound like that record that you want to sound like. Not to hate on Blue and the Snowball. It's great. That's a cool mic, but it is cool for certain reasons, and recording professional sounding music is not one of them. So asking that question, well, how do you plan to do it? Is super interesting. This is especially interesting when someone's never recorded themselves And they're thinking about making the jump in home studio world It's a little different if they're like, well, i've recorded the last 50 songs that i've released myself Oh, really? That's interesting. Well, why are you thinking about hiring a professional? After recording those 50 songs and releasing them yourself, then you get to the meat What are they struggling with what is there and here's the business term pain point? Ooh. It's a good term. I like that term. What is their pain point? And if you can figure that out, they're like, well, you know, I love recording myself. It's really great. My vocals just never sound the way I wish they would. Oh, okay. Now we're talking. And I think this is a good opportunity for us to move into the adding value.
0: I want to actually pause here before we move to the next section. And that is this. When you start to investigate on why they want to do what they're going to do, why they want to record themselves, I think there's one thing you have to actually ask yourself. And this is maybe something we should discuss even at the very beginning is what you're doing as a service, the services you offer, are they going to be around five to 10 years from now? Great question. Are you in a shrinking niche? Are you in a shrinking industry The demand is falling instead of growing? If that's the situation, this may be the time where you need to analyze and understand, is this something I should keep doing at all? Do I need to start learning skills that are actually in demand versus doubling down on a skill that is in a shrinking field, in a shrinking niche, in a dying industry? So completely understand that if you're going to stay in an area that you're comfortable with, You may not last long you have to get outside of your comfort zone So that's just something to kind of keep in mind when dealing with this problem that a lot of people are dealing with understanding Am I doing the best thing that I could be doing right now? And do I need to be shifting into something else for the future?
1: Yeah Well, and that hits me between the eyes because as a mastering engineer all of you that are professional audio engineers When I say lander you can't help but giggle. (laughs) Yeah because of how terrible it is But that doesn't mean it will be terrible in 10 years. I'm not saying that mastering will go extinct don't necessarily think that's the case, but it is possible. And there's certainly a large portion of the market, an undiscerning portion of the market, but still people with money that have opted to go the Lander route. And that's a thing. That definitely has an impact. Yeah, I mean, I only hire Lander
0: to do my master's. I don't know about you, (laughs) but I'm going to get a little secret out here. Chris puts all of the mastering work he gets into Lander and that's how he...
1: Yeah, it's a great business tip. Yeah, just 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 get them to send
0: you the file. The file goes through Zapier, into Lander, then back to the (laughs) customer.
1: (laughs) There's a business for you. Don't do that. I'm actually working on analog Lander. It's, uh, It's just like Lander, but it's totally analog. So like you plug your output into a phone line and your audio comes to my... Anyways, forthcoming. One of the businesses I'm working on. Actually there is a business that does sort of something like that, but it's not lander. It's like you rent analog gear remotely and then Yeah. I'm on their beta list. I tested it
0: out and the I have no input on that right now. I don't know how they are. <laughs> Let's move on here and talk about what you do once you've discovered why they're wanting to record themselves. And this is really the meat of this whole episode is having this subtle mind shift instead of what can I do to get them to pay me, shifting your mindset to how can I add value to this person? How can I help them in any way shape or form and a lot of times you can do this with the smallest amount of effort like chris talked about earlier in the episode when he was talking about The engineer that was having bass problems with his speakers and they were just in the corner and it took him three seconds to say Hey, dude, just move your speakers out of the corner and you'll be good to go That took about a second just a modicum of effort from chris to do but it helped him out immensely And that's a way of adding value a disproportionate amount of value for how little work you put into it
1: Yeah. So the funny thing here, and I think a good place to take home as we move into these next ways to add value, you don't need to be a good storyteller with these types of leads. What you need to be is a good listener and a good question asker and get them to tell you their story and then find ways to add value and make offerings of piecemeal services.
0: Yeah. And by the way, what Chris is talking about asking questions to the artist, you're not going to find out any ways to add value if you skip that part. Yeah. You can't assume anything when it comes to someone recording themselves or someone mixing themselves or someone mastering themselves. It is up to you to make sure you are asking the right questions because A, that establishes some sort of relationship. It shows interest in that artist. And then B, it also helps you dig to the root problem, not just the surface level.
1: Yeah, I love this and I think my misconception about business and sales was always it sales is about what you say It's not it's about what you ask I love that and man, that's the man I want to be that's the world I want to live in Where people are telling me their story. We're having interactions. They feel valued. Yes, they feel cared about And that we have an opportunity for a real relationship there as opposed to just coming right out of the gates Here's why you should work with me. I'm good at this You're a fool if you think you can do it by yourself <laughs> It's bullet point
0: bullet point bullet point bullet point
1: Give me money (laughs) All right, so let's talk about some different ways we can add value I would say the biggest most important thing here is that when someone comes to you and says I'm thinking about hiring you but i'm also thinking about recording myself The temptation is to look at this as what's called a zero-sum game They will either only all record themselves or they will only all record with you It's either a or b. I like to say when someone comes to you and says the answer is either a or b They're a liar And they're evil and you should run away from them sort of like uh, it's either republicans or democrats It's one or the other that is a really good point is people tend to gravitate towards extremes. That's just society But it's not reality. It's a fallacy. It's this a or b. It's not reality So I think the initial thing is to use your creativity because guess what you're in the creative industry You're a music guy or a music girl. You are a creative And a creative find ways to take it's a or b and they create a c when we talk about adding value, we're talking about creating a third option here. So it's not just about talking them 100% out of don't buy a home studio. Don't buy a mic. Hire me or else you'll be embarrassed and all your friends will think you're a terrible musician and your wife will leave you and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Fear-based marketing. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. So this adding value thing is coming up with A or B. How does this look for the average listener? Absolutely. So I would say if someone comes to you and says, I'm thinking about, let's just for the sake of argument, say that the listener is someone who provides services one size fits all. You know, we record, we mix, we edit, we master, et cetera. Because I would say that's probably the largest, would you say that's the largest kind of group in our listenership? They do sort of everything. Yeah, I'd say most people do a combination
0: of services versus niching down by service. A lot of people, they'll do multiple services within one genre if they are niching down. Very few I'd say there are some but it's a smaller percentage niched down by service
1: Right, so if you provide more than one service And you're talking to someone who is proposing recording themselves or recording with you Don't look at it as a zero-sum game. Don't try to talk them out of it Try to figure out first and foremost why they want to do that and recognize that there's a hierarchy of difficulty in recording yourself I would say without a doubt the most difficult thing to do is to master yourself. Some might disagree I disagree, but sure Well, I would say the psychologically most difficult thing to do is master yourself Fair enough people typically go down weird rabbit holes and they get in a loop for people that record real drums I think that's the hardest thing to do yourself in your genre. Yes if it's a really heavily live drum focused thing, that's really really Impossibly difficult to do by yourself if big shiny sparkly crisp perfect drums are your thing Um, unless you're doing the loop route good luck with a live drummer without a professional Okay, so there's mastering I think is pretty difficult recording drums is really difficult Getting great vocal tone is really really difficult Mixing as a whole is not quite as difficult as just mixing vocals in my opinion Everybody in the world knows what a vocal is supposed to sound like even a two-year-old So if the vocal isn't perfect everybody knows that's hard to pull off So looking at this hierarchy of difficulty within home recording and to recognize well, you're probably gonna have trouble With your live drums Oh, you want to have your drummer play on your record and you want to record yourself Opportunity right there to say well, why don't you guys come to my studio? We can record drums of me. You're going to struggle with that I'll tell you what i'll even mix the drums for you and give you pre-mixed stems
0: I want to pause you right here though This is something I talk about a lot with my students is that's called going for the killer That's called throwing your name in the hat. That's actually asking for value from someone although you are hopefully providing them better value than they can give themselves, I actually like doing whatever you can before you ever ask them to come record drums with you or whatever service you're trying to do. I actually like a lot more for you to try to help them achieve whatever they're trying to achieve, no strings attached first. So if someone is trying to record their album, you're gonna ask, hey, what kind of gear are you working with? What is kind of the process behind what you're doing? And see where you can help them with the knowledge that you have and the resources that you have. And then if there's a point after you've added value first up front where it makes sense to throw your name in the hat like chris just talked about only then do you actually do that
1: I like that. Well, that's a more intense version of the go-giver to specifically coach them With no expectation of anything in return
0: and sometimes you don't necessarily have to coach them by the way You can just offer hey, that's awesome to hear if you have issues with that interface or if you have any issues You know with your vocals, let me know i'd love to help out or if there's any questions you have while you're doing this I'm happy to answer them As long as obviously your experience level is at the point where it is understood that you are better than them. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like if someone offers me advice and they're like brand new, then I'm going to look at them with like, "Eh, get out of here. You kind of see what I'm saying here. But if you have advice that you know they want, just saying you're willing to help out is usually enough value to add just the thought of it to where when the opportunity comes up that you can throw your name in the hat, where it actually makes sense. You've already added value to the situation.
1: That's awesome. So let's say you've done that. You've added value by offering them some sort of free advice or future coaching or You've coached them on moving their monitors back from their wall. That's something we talked about before Obviously, there are different services that you can provide and just to sort of power through those. Yeah, we're getting pretty close to time Yeah, yeah. The first one is mixing that is sort of like the baseline. Okay, you finish recording And you're a beginner, so you didn't do a very good job Now mixing is going to be way more challenging than if you had recorded properly in the first place You could even be as aggressive as to say do your own mixes Send me your session files and then i'll finish your mixes for you. You can come over and we'll make them awesome We'll use your mixes as a starting point. Another one is editing You could explain I think this is a harder upsell Well or a harder way to add value here But hey if you're having trouble with your performances I'm a great editor. You can show up and I can take a so-so vocal performance and make it incredible. That's interesting. You're pitching, helping them with their performance there, which is fundamentally different than I can make your snare sound good. I
0: don't know. Some people are snare sluts. I'm a snare slut.
1: This is true. This next service, obviously I'm going to pitch this here, is mastering. If you provide mastering services and someone says, hey, I'm recording, mixing, and mastering myself, just to even say, oh, all right, well, man, that's awesome. Please, if you're working on songs, In the midst of it, feel free to send me an mp3 and just say hey, what do you think of this? Especially when you get to the mastering stage That can be one of the most difficult stages to clear for a home studio musician because you start to second guess yourself a lot Very very true And if they get to the mastering stage and they start second guessing themselves a lot, they're going to ruin it Think about what you just said and they're going to be like Hmm, they might reach out to you just to try to pump you for free information And you have to have a backbone here. You have to at some point say hey and you know, I've got a client that's on their way in. I've got to go or, well, you know, that's probably the most I should say on the subject because if I say any more, it's just going to get confusing and overwhelming. Honestly, I'd really recommend that you think about professional mastering. whether that's me or somebody else. I love that phrase. When I'm on the phone with somebody, hey, if you're thinking about doing that yourself, whether you hire me or somebody else, just don't use Lander. <laughs> I'm going to do another burn here. Just don't have disc makers do it for you. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sorry, disc makers. You guys do great disc replication. Vertical integration with audio mastering and disc replication. Maybe not my favorite thing in the world So anyways, it's also weird with disc makers for new guys that are listening as a mastering engineer Like I send clients to them all the time to get their discs manufactured But it's like a weird feeling because it's like if I send them to you Are you going to try to steal them for me as a mastering client? I'm sure it's happened. This is a weird thing
0: All right. So let's just say you've gotten this down You have found out first of all is this the best thing for them or not if they're going to record themselves You are willing to lose the gig. You found out why they want to record themselves versus going with a professional, if you can kind of dig deeper on that. And then you found ways to add value. Most people, if they even made it this far, they're just gonna like say, okay, Godspeed, go do your life. And I'll see you again next time. The reality is that's the worst possible thing you could do the next step and the step that everyone seems to forget in this scenario is to follow up with them. You've done all this work to add value. You've done all this work to nurture this person. You've done all this work to find out the answers to all these questions. And then you fail to follow up. You've just wasted all your time and effort that you just spent on this person. And when you follow up with them, what will happen? And this actually, we were reading some of the comments in the Facebook live that we were doing right now. Someone was talking about how They had a band come back to them after originally going to record themselves He ended up working with them and that's going to happen time and time and time and time again Because people then realize they see it on paper. They see oh this guy charges five thousand dollars to record an ep But I can go buy all the gear for a studio and do it all myself and save a ton of money And then they don't realize holy shit. This is really hard and Then they're going to come back to you to do the services because you are the person there the entire time Adding value all along the way you weren't just you know saying well good luck with that And then going and bitching to your friends in the gear Sluts forums about all these stupid new people that are recording themselves instead of hiring professionals Instead you were there adding value Understanding where they're coming from trying to be helpful and just being nice and courteous And even going out of your way sometimes to answer some hard questions or to coach them on some stuff And then when they realize they can't do it They end up hiring you because you were the one that was there the entire time
1: Yeah, and side note, they're probably talking to more than just you if they're thinking about recording themselves or hiring you And we talked in the previous episode about differentiation If you're nice and everybody else is a dick and they end up hiring somebody it's gonna be you It's true you win every time by default every single time nobody else is doing this stuff That's the thing is people
0: when they hear someone is going to record themselves they just die inside a little bit. They get really sad and they wonder <laughs> if they could ever make it in recording. Instead of just saying, okay, that's fine. Instead of saying, how can I make this work or what can I do about this? They think, I just can't do this. It's so hard. Everyone's recording themselves now. So hopefully this episode has kind of opened your eyes that this is not the only way out. Not only can you still get the gig, not only can you still, we didn't even talk about the potential for them referring other artists oh, to you yeah. because you Huge. just spent a lot of time and effort adding value to them. Not only all of that, but you also can go out and do this with a hundred other people because Most people that are not full-time if they're trying to build their studio, they have free time And if you don't have free time Then it's not a priority for you because everyone still has The time between they get home from work until they go to bed to do this sort of stuff.
1: Yeah So as you are trying to add value when you're trying to build rapport and a good relationship with somebody Who's probably going to end up recording themselves if that's the case When you are kind to them when you treat them with respect You're building your reputation you are opening up opportunities for referrals from them. Oh, I recorded my own record, but if I didn't record my own record, I would have hired that guy because he was awesome. The component you need to keep in mind there is as you're adding value, you need to apply the 80-20 principle. 20% of the ways that you add value will provide 80% of the value to the customer, potential customer in this case. So just a two second thing of like, you're mixing on headphones. Okay, what kind of headphones are you mixing on? Samson. Okay. Okay. Well, if I were you, I would pick up blah, 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 blah. There's little teeny tiny things. There's little tiny pieces of advice you can give that are life changing for somebody with owns a home studio. Not like spending 10 hours giving them advice. I think that's overkill. That's way too much and it devalues your time. But when you can walk in and do like the Obi-Wan Kenobi wisdom drop or the Gandalf wisdom drop where you give them one golden nugget piece of wisdom that will make their life so much easier and actually makes it easier for them to record themselves You stand to win a lot there with a very minimal amount of your time invested
0: Yeah, if you haven't already listened to episode 45 of the six figure home studio podcast where we talk about How studio owners are multiplying their income and minimizing their headaches using the 80 20 principle Go back and listen to that episode or if you've already heard it go back and re-listen to that episode through the mindset of How can we apply the 80-20 principle to this episode? Literally every one of our episodes, you can apply the 80-20 principle to. There's like that 20% of the episode that's gonna get you the biggest results possible. And so this episode is the exact same way. Take the bits and pieces and start changing the way you approach Failure start changing the way you approach people that are not your customers people that are recording themselves Instead of working with you change your mindset from that scarcity mindset of getting pissed off and going and bitching your friends Change it to how can I add value and how can I still serve them and how can I get them as a friend? It's going to completely revolutionize the way you see your business and the way they treat your business and the way they Potentially refer people to your business in the future So, that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio podcast. 50 episodes in the books. That is 50 episodes, halfway to 100. Um, That's a lot of episodes, but I feel like I'm going to make a bigger deal of 100 episodes. Either way, thank you so much for sticking around for this many episodes. Next week at 6 a.m., bright and early Tuesday morning, we have another episode going live. And this is, uh, we're starting off the second 50 episodes uh, with a pretty serious topic. And this is the topic of relationships. Why are audio professionals typically horrible at relationships we're not just talking about romantic relationships although we do talk about that We're also just talking about friendships deep meaningful friendships. So next week chris and I deep dive on the discussion of why uh, It seems that audio professionals are typically bad at relationships Uh, And there's a lot that we kind of uncover. It was a very unscripted Unprepared episode where we're just really just having a conversation and chris and I do our absolute best uh, to try to Uncover why that is and what people can do to perhaps better themselves and for the record Neither chris or I are experts at this, but we have definitely had our fair share of struggles And uh, we've both made a lot of strides for improving this area of our lives So check out that next episode next week and I know it's not our typical business type topic, but believe me If you're bad at relationships, you're gonna have a bad business. So absolutely must listen to episode next week can't wait for you to hear it until next time thanks for sticking around for 50 episodes thanks for listening and happy hustling